What's up? This portion of the broadcast, this is Sports Debate Tuesday, episode 36, brought to you by Beach Volleyball National Events, the greatest showcase in the United States of America. Juniors, doubles, as many as 20 to 25 recruiters. We're in Colorado. We're in Texas. We're in Florida. We're in the South Bay. Duran Forbes is the program director and the founder, and she is a savage. Tell your mother, tell your father, tell your club coach, send a telegram. Send a singing telegram. Beach Volleyball National Events. A family that plays together, stays together. It's also brought to you by NY Varsity Sports. That's me. That's me. The NYV. Watching me. Watching you. This is episode 36 of Sports Debate Tuesday, and the episode starts right now. Nah, I'm not going to do it today. <laughs> that song I've been singing the last two weeks, we've been singing all day for at least half of half of a game, and then we crapped our pants a little bit, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, of course. Uh, what's on the agenda today, people? What's good? This is episode 36. This is Sports Debate Tuesday, along with my man Rob. Keep it McLean. McLean. I am Jason DeBeas, and welcome. Daddy is home. All right, so we're going to talk about the NFL a little bit. The NBA has sh- the finals has fine the finals has finally shaped up. Looks like it's going to be the Miami Heat. Looks like it's going to be the Los Angeles Lakers. Going to cover that a little bit. Big UFC event. Adesanya living in the Matrix, right? Jan Blakovich, man, much the one of the most improved fighters of the year. But first, Rob, and first, we're going to talk about the NFL. All right, uh, we're, we're going to highlight, oh, of course, here's our pick six is going to be this week. Congratulations to Rob McLean this week. He's the one that won. Uh, Theo Brunner, next time, thank you so, thanks for, for sending us your picks. And we got a, another guest this week, and, and I'll share that as I go. All right, we saw two comebacks in the NFL over the weekend fall short. I, I'm going to highlight the Seattle Seahawks against the Dallas Cowboys, and I'm going to highlight the, the LA Rams against the Buffalo Bills. So I guess the question was, and we'll go one at a time, let's start with Seattle. Was it more about Seattle blowing the lead or Dallas's um, willingness and heart to come back? Or does one not exist without the other? Um, <clears throat> uh, I think, well, Seattle won that game, yes? Mm-hmm. So I believe that Seattle is just showing it's showing its way you know it's they've got a great team on both sides of the ball makes it really easy to be for for russell wilson to be himself um i just don't think that any team is really you know they're they're their worst they're their own worst enemy you know so i don't think any team is really gonna knock them off the uh, off the path they're going for but when you're talking about the dallas cowboys again they had all the opportunities in the world to to at least be in front and, and, and be, you know, the front runner of the game and, 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 you know, be able to control the the game a little bit and and to control the pace. And they always find a way to be a step behind, just, just be in an area where, you know, they have to catch up because they're so used to making those mistakes and being in that position. And you see it time and time. uh, I'm not saying it's necessarily the coach anymore. You know, it could just be the organization and the energy that's in that building, but um, for whatever it is, um, the Cowboys just aren't playing. You know, when they play a high-level team, they play high-level ball, but not high enough. When they play a low-level team, they play, you know, 
a low level brand of ball, but not good enough to, you know, just good enough to win. You know, they played down to their competition. So for me, I just, uh, I think it's all about the Seahawks. Yeah, man. Do I need to play that song accident waiting to happen? <laughs> that's, that's what, listen, that's one of my favorite minute and a half clips and, and not because I hate the Cowboys, but because I like sticking it to their absolutely nauseating vomit in your mouth, uh, fan base. All right. So I go Seahawks. In fact, I'm going to do a little two and one. I'm going to go Seahawks and Buffalo Bills one, because at the end of the day, teams are going to come back. And at the end of the day, whoever has the ball last either you do or you do not seattle had the ball last russell wilson won all right period period buffalo had the ball last and buffalo won there are things uh in the game that uh change the momentum that allow teams to come back sometimes if a team gets a break you have to use it. So I got to give Cowboys credit and I got to give the Rams extreme credit. That 28-3 is a big lead to come back from. So these opportunities open up, but at the same time, you still have to score. So I, I, I got to give bo- uh, both their teams credit for coming back. And again, as I said in the beginning, one does not exist without the other. But as to the question, uh, which one was um, uh, uh, ways more in these instances? And, and, and I, I go um, two for two on this. I go Seattle and I go Rams. Yeah. Um, yeah, accident waiting to happen. That's a, that's a black cat running around in that franchise, dude. So Terrible. Uh, the second question was, did the refs decide the game for the Buffalo Bills? Um, I'd like to go first on this, and then you, you can follow through. Um, I would say yes. Yeah, they decided the game. Damn right they decided the game. But did they decide the game at the end? Yeah. Did they also decide the game in the beginning? Yes, Buffalo had to score four times just to get one touchdown, right? The first time, first time they said he fell short. Okay, replay could have said something different. That's fine. Second time, Diggs caught a pass, ran it for a touchdown. The replay showed that he didn't catch it, dropped on the floor. Great, fair, fair game. Third time, he they throw they throw a touchdown into the end zone. They call holding or some kind of penalty, so that gets called back. And finally, a fourth time with nothing to call. That's Buffalo four, scored four times just to get seven points. I bring your attention to the middle of the game. They're up and they're in enemy territory or they're in, um, sorry, Rams, Rams, Rams position on their side of the field. He throws a pass, a 17 or 18 yard pass that is caught by the receiver, attempted to snap, be snatched by the opposition. They both go to the ground where they're both holding the ball. And every time I've ever, as a football fan and now as a, as a whatever, a, a pundit analyst, is, has never seen that call go 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 to the to the opposition tie goes to the receiver so the referees um decided that play right the referees decided that when he got a horse collar tackle they decided it was inside the pocket because inside the pocket horse tail collar tackles are legal outside it isn't they also decided that when he complained about it they gave him a 15 yard unsportsmanlike unsportsmanlike conduct penalty an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on a quarterback so um, do I do I say the referees decided this game? Yeah, they decided this game, but I don't want to hear anybody cry feeling about how they someone got screwed at the end. They just they decided the game in the first quarter. They decided the game in the third quarter. They decided the game in the beginning and the end of the fourth quarter. And at the end of the day, both teams would have to live with those 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 referees' decisions. Buffalo lived with it all game. They're definitely going to live with it at the end. What goes around comes around. The floor is yours, Rob McLean. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, I thought it was just, you know, the same old, same old, same old, where at the end of the game, 
referees, umpires, you know, whatever it is, they, they, you know, they're human beings, you know, they, they look for things a bit more intently, you know, they're not seeing the whole field of vision. They're kind of, you know, honed in on maybe that one play and, and, you know, I think it's been a little bit better because there hasn't been that crowd, that noise, you know, to kind of put that anticipation in the play and you feel the, the energy in the building, you know, and it's just a, a little bit more uh, a realistic uh, um, atmosphere to, to make those types of calls, you know? Um, so I've actually really, I've been really impressed and I really loved all the refereeing that's happened in the season. Um, but yeah, you know, there's still just, the way the rules are, are very interpreted. And, you know, when it comes to the end of the game where a call has to be made, everybody wants something to happen on that call, both sides of the field. Yeah. Someone wasn't going to be happy. (laughs) Interpretation comes into play, you know, and then, you know, so, and everybody's trying to do weird things to get that extra yard. So for me, when I saw, you know, a lot of weird different plays, but it all like, just, just like you're saying, did the end of the game end well with the pass interference call or, um, I think it's the same thing like all game long. I'm sure there was not questionable plays, but maybe a lot of weird, interesting, different plays that happened in this game that might not happen in a lot of other games. So I think it really is just a game-to-game basis, and I think the referees do a really good job. I do think they do a good job. I think um, if the referee did not throw a flag, I probably probably would have – in real time, because I'm a prisoner of the moment, obviously you can see the hat, I – Probably would have been upset, but at the end of the day, if I compartmentalize it and then to tell myself of these two different teams that I don't, I don't have any emotional investment over, um, if they didn't throw a flag either way, that's fine. That, that would have been fine too, but um, I would have, you know, I mean, it's to me, it's not just about one play as much as it's about momentum, right? That play kept the Buffalo Bills alive. That was fourth and eight. By the way, it was third and 25 that led to a fourth and eight. And before that third and 22, he passed to Beasley and Beasley muscled his way in, you know, uh, for a first down. So there were so many situations where I thought either um, the Rams dropped the ball or just this guy, Josh Allen's just showing his resolve, man. Another game, 300 plus yards, five TDs, you know, one interception. That's the only interception, which in my opinion, it just wasn't, dude, it just wasn't an interception. (laughs) And I'd love to call him my player of the week like every week, but because we're highlighting two teams, I I can't run away from Russell Wilson anymore. He's just so good, man. He should be the MVP every year, man. That guy is so good. I always call him the best quarterback nobody talks about, and that's not entirely you they, they do talk about him but if Brady were putting up those numbers I, they'd be they would have been a, they'd be a ticket tape parade for every win never mind a Super Bowl so you know let's pay a, pay a little bit respect to our mulatto brother <laughs> you know who by the way doesn't do I mean on and off the field you want to talk about the respect that that man commands because of the respect that he gives pshaw alright so now we're going to go to NFL pick six uh, we are going to announce the winners to Theo Brunner. I want to thank Theo Brunner for con- uh, contributing his wins and losses because without our guest, and uh, it, it's less interesting. It's certainly more interesting when someone puts their two cents in. And and here we go, bro. These are the winners. Or this is the win-loss record. There you go. There's our man Theo Brunner in the middle at one and three. Ooh, excuse me. I'm going to... Um, Actually, it's one three and one. Sorry, sorry, Theo. Didn't mean to give you the extra loss. It's one three and one. I'm two two and one, and Rob is three one and one. We are pre-recording. 
uh, before the Monday night game where all three of us picked the Ravens. So Rob is going to be the clear cut winner. And um, congratulations to Rob this week. This thank week, you, we you. this week we have Trevor Crabb. Welcome, Trevor Crabb. I know you're a big sports fan. I know you're a big Kobe fan, basketball. But thanks for taking the time to talk a little football with the boys, all right? So this week's pick six, let's go to the first one. We got Cleveland Browns at the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think I can <clears throat> dislike two more teams in the NFL, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love the Patriots now, so. Um, I don't know, man. Cleveland, with, uh, Dallas. I, I'll go with Dallas. I like what they do, you know. Hopefully they don't choke again. You know what's crazy? I think that the fact that I'm actually cheering for the Dallas Cowboys to beat, to beat the Cleveland Browns is a testament to how much I despise Baker Mayfield. <laughs> the man, again, has more commercials than football wins, and I think right. this week is going to be just the same. I think Dallas is pissed, and I think they're going to wear their anger all over the Cleveland Browns, and they're going to take that team to school. This guy, second-year quarterback, gets taken back to school. I picked Dallas. Um, Trevor Crabb also picks the Dallas Cowboys. We have Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh Steelers, 3-0. How's that for my boy, my 3-0 surprise team? Uh, visiting, also 3-0, Mike Vrabel's uh, Tennessee Titans. Oh, those teams look good, man. It's, that's going to be a tough game. I'm not going to call tie. I'm going to go for <laughs> Not if you're trying uh, to win. <laughs> I, I just really, I think I, I really like what the Pittsburgh Steelers are doing, and I just think that T.J. Watt, man, like, you know, just one of the best defenders in the league right now. And that's JJ's brother, have, right? No. Yeah. Have a great linebacker on, on, on a Steelers team. It's just, it just feels right. You know? So I'll just, I'll pick Pittsburgh on that one. Mike Vrabel, one of the ballsiest coaches in the NFL, his kicker missed five kicks and he kept him in. Normally the coach just decides to go for it. Right. Or maybe someone else on the team can kick, the punter can kick, and they usually cut the same day. Not this guy. The first game, he brings him back in a sixth time to kick the game-winning field goal, and from that point on, the guy has not missed. In fact, he kicked five or six more field goals last Sunday. <laughs> That's Gustavski we're talking about. So mm -hmm. Gustavski's been known to miss extra points and then just ridiculous stuff. So I really like Coach 1A. I consider Belichick 1 and Tomlin 1A as far as the best coaches in the NFL. 1 and 1A. They're both number 1. But in, um, but until he shows he can beat um, New England on a consistent basis, he's number 2. But number 2 is more than enough to beat Mike Vrabel, who is one of Belichick's Jedis. He's very, he coaches very, very well against the run. They have a very good running back. Um, um, Tennessee has a guy from Alabama. His name escapes me. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, Derrick Henry. Mm -hmm. um, gotta, I think I'm going to go with you on this. I got to go Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, the, uh, the visiting team. They, they play well on the road. They travel well, too. They play well on the road. Um, I just think that Ryan Tannehill is going to get a lot of pressure, and you know, we'll yeah. see if he can make good decisions. And, yeah. I mean, and Trevor Crabb, our, our guy, he picks Tennessee. Good for him going, going yeah, against they, the grain I mean, on that one. Team too. I, yeah, I wish I didn't have to pick. I know, right? Yeah, but <laughs> for know. me, like, if Tomlin could be 8-8 eight and eight with nobody – Imagine what he could do with one person. Right now he's got right. the one person. He's got right. Big Ben and and you got Juju actually literally walking into the end zone from these yeah, Juju for these looks these open man, passes. Strong. Yeah. Strong. So respectful James too. James Conner back there. Yeah. He, he could have been cool. a wide out one a long time ago. He was just big into giving everybody their respect, but now it's his time. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the things he'd be doing physically on that field is like, he's a grown man out there. All right, here we go. Third one, we got Minnesota visiting Houston, the Houston Texans. I'll go first on this one. Yeah, um, <laughs> I got Deshaun Watson, who played. I thought played an okay game uh, the first two the first two um, games, and because of the teams they played against, okay was not good enough. But I think okay is enough to beat Minnesota, and and he's not going to be okay forever. He's going to be real. He's going to be better than okay. And if, whether this is that game or not, I think they win. Yeah, I don't know what's up with Minnesota. I also don't know what's up with Houston, but I definitely trust Houston a lot more. Uh, you know, a lot more stable, uh, higher-level quarterback, um, really strong defensive front. <clears throat> I just, in this day and age, I feel as though, you know, the receiving core and the secondary matter so much. So I just feel like, for me, I'm going to go Minnesota on this one. You know, they're a tough team, uh, and they just – I, I feel like they got to put up some on the board. We got Justin Jefferson putting up seven seven receptions, 175 yards. Man, do we call like, that rookie? Huh? Gosh, dang. Do we man. call that Somebody, rookie? Yeah, maybe they got to run the ball more, or maybe their defense is not holding up. But somebody's putting up something. Those guys named Justin, who's, man. Who's lacking. Them rookies named Justin, man. They just they so, just coming through, hmm. man. Yeah, so Thielen, Justin Jefferson, I'm going to go with the, the Vikings on this one. Hopefully Kirk Cousins cannot choke for me on this one. Okay. Cool, you're going Vikings, I'm going Houston. Trevor Crabb mm-hmm. is going Houston Texans. Uh, next game, we got the Buffalo Bills visiting Las Vegas. John Gruden's Raiders. <laughs> you go first on this one. And, uh, oof. I really like the Raiders, man. I mean, I know they, they kind of put up an egg this, this past week, but, um, yeah, I just – I really love – I really like Josh Jacobs. I wish they would run their offense through him a bit more. Um, so, yeah, I might I might have to go Vegas on this one. I'm going the Buffalo Bills. I will cite as a pretext that my I am a prisoner of the moment. I also cite as a pretext that I wanted to see them beat a good team and, and at least play competitively against a good team. I thought the Rams were that good team that they play competitively against and, and won. They anyone that picks against the Bills right now, I totally understand because that was that was they were on the verge of one of the most epic epic collapses in football, right? By the way, they they hold the record for the greatest comeback. This would have been one of the top three, um, you know, comeback slashes collapses. But at the same time, I'm gonna. I mean, if it comes down to the running games. And uh, the the wide receivers and the defense and special teams, both of them are well coached. If it comes down to the two quarterbacks, I got to go Allen over Carr. Sorry, Carr. Um, Buffalo Bills. And Trevor Crabb is picking the Raiders. All right, we got New England Patriots visiting the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I'll go first on this one. By the time you see this broadcast, Kansas City has already won or lost the Monday Night Football game to... Um, to the Baltimore Ravens. But to me, that doesn't matter because I think win or lose, I think New England's going to be ready for them. New England showed they can travel well. And I believe that if Kansas City wants to make it a shootout, I think New England wins. If they want to play a defensive game, I definitely think New England wins. I go New England. Yeah. um, I don't want to go against, you know, Kansas City ever, but 
just like what I've been seeing the last couple of weeks, you know, with, with Kansas or last the last week with Kansas City, that did not look good for three quarters. You know, Mahomes um, had a, a terrible week, and I think uh, not only does he have to come out with a great week this week against the Ravens, uh, he's also got to come back from a tough week last week. So I think there's a lot that's going to go into this week um, that uh, you know against one of the best teams in the league. Uh, so I feel like. He, they're just going to be really spent after this week and to, to face another tough back-to-back team. I'm going to have to go with the Patriots. They're going to be ready for them. Um, you know, the style that they run uh, maximizes Cam Newton. So I, I think he's going to show – Cam Newton's going to show everything he's going to be able to do. Yeah, um, Kansas City uh, is picked by Trevor Crabb, and he's going with the Chiefs on that one. Uh, I think well, a, a lot of people. I don't think a lot of people are going to pick the. Uh, yeah, I think that secondary is going to be yeah. a really interesting game. Yeah, you know, secondary against uh, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know how they're going to play Ben, but don't break against a guy who breaks people. Um, <laughs> hey, right. You get some pressure on him. That's how. Mm-hmm. That's. <laughs> hey, last one, Philadelphia. Uh, Eagles visits the San Francisco 49ers. I don't know what the injury report is on Garoppolo, but I do believe Mullins is going to play. Yeah, I mean, nobody could look better against the Giants. So that's just, uh, you know, crazy that that, that there's that many injuries on that team. You know, whether – I don't know if it's – if it's actually injuries or if it's – is it maybe like coronavirus related, but – I mean, it seemed like there's a lot of people gone really fast in a short period of time. Um, so very interesting on that essence. But yeah, I'm not doing any. I'm not picking anything with San Francisco at all. When it comes you going to Eagles this. on this one? Yeah, I don't yeah. care how bad the Eagles look. And to be honest, like the Eagles look good, they just keep making bad mistakes in a high level situation. Very so, un- like, untimely. If you're not playing, yeah. If you're not playing, if you're playing like a mid level team, you know, no offense right now, it's what the San Francisco 49ers seem to be. Um, then yeah, you know, I see them putting up some points. Yeah, it's. I mean, it was going to be one of our quick questions actually, and I just wanted to double check that while you were talking about that. And, um, can the Niners win without Garoppolo? And and to me, they. I'm um, yeah against I mean, the Giants, yeah against the Jets, <laughs> right? Um, uh, yeah, against some of these other teams. And Mullen had um Mullins had a uh, 343 yards passing and three scores. And I think um, wow, this is such a toss up. But I'm going to go with the 49ers on this one. And uh, of course, Trevor Crab. Trevor goes with the 49ers. All right, guys, that concludes our pick six segment. We are moving on to the NBA. The stage has been set, Rob. We got the winner from the East Coast. We got the winner from the Western Conference. The Western Conference winner are our Los Angeles Lakers. And the winner from the Eastern Conference is the Miami Heat. Once again, Pat Riley is there in spirit, as well as an astral image in his skybox watching the game. Always finds himself in the finals winning. Always finds himself in the finals losing. Absent of whatever superstars right before a Shaq and then it was LeBron James or Dwayne Wade you know who's a finals MVP and here he is because the butler did it <laughs> so Rob Eastern champ Heat Western champ Lakers who wins this series I mean the smart money is probably Lakers in six uh I, I mean, I would love to see the Heat, you know, compete. I really don't think I'd get to know, to understand it until, like, you know, second, third game in the series. But, um, 
Honestly, I think it goes seven. I really think that the Heat have a lot of matchup problems for the Lakers because they're so deep, you know, and, and by the second, third quarter, a lot of things are going to be changing um, where, the, the you know, Kyle Kuzma is not going to be able to guard, you know, half the players on, uh, you know, the Heat, and they're yeah. not even remotely the type of player he is. They're not long and lanky. You know, they're small and quick or they're big and strong. You know, it's – yeah. I just don't think the Lakers match up that well against them, especially inside, especially after we saw what happens when Anthony Davis only gets gets less than 10 rebounds in a game um, and, and that LeBron might not be as willing to go get rebounds. Um, I could see the Heat grind out the series, you know, and make it really tough on them and, and really, you know. The other thing I was just thinking about is, you know, Miami Heat is from Florida. Everybody is in Florida. So I could I can only imagine that the Miami Heat are the most confident, you know, the most conditioned, you know, the most prepared physically to be in this situation, you know, to play against this team um, in that, you know, that Miami Heat, like that Miami uh, weather. So, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I think the smart money is on the Lakers, uh, but I personally feel like, you know, the Heat have been that dark horse from the beginning. Um, and, you know, they got pushed at the end of the last series. Um, so I really, I, I might, I'm going to probably go with the Heat in seven and, you know, take my chances. Yeah, Rob, I'm going to go with the Lakers four game, and I'm going to go four games to one on this one. I'm picking the Lakers in five. I said numerous times on our podcast, I think the East is going to be won by the coaches and the West was going to be won by the, by player performances. And it turns out I've been right for the most part, but there's been one team in the West that has been won by the players, but, but significantly because of uh, coaching adjustments and changes. And that one team was the LA Lakers. I've after every first game, in fact, after us, uh, halftime in some of these games, I just saw some of these, these just, I won't call them brilliant adjustment. I guess just fundamental. Like if, if this is wrong, you just do that. Between the work that Vogel and Jason Kidd have been doing uh, just after the half has, been, has shown me the, Lake, uh, the Lakers um, uh, allow themselves to showcase their, their complete team approach. Um, and, but I will go out on a limb and say this. In order for the Lakers to beat them, Anthony Davis has to be a finals MVP. If LeBron makes it about himself, and he's, he's not, he never, he, I'm not, and I'm not saying he's a selfish player. In fact, he's one of the best passers in the history of basketball, right? He creates shots. But if it comes down to LeBron having to, to take the winning shot or, or carry them in the fourth quarter four out of seven times, and with Iguodala there as an as an X factor, and 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 the Heat playing really really good defense. I mean, you, we, they can't. I mean, you know, four one there. I mean, people would be pissed at me saying that right now. You know, I think Anthony Davis is going to have to win MVP because the matchups. What there there's going to be someone that's going to be a mismatch, and it's got you can't. You can't not put if you're going to play man or soft zone. You can't put not put Iguodala on LeBron. You know, and you, you need someone to, to, uh, to compensate for Davis and all those other people. And I think that's the one person in Miami Heat might be missing. You know, they do got a big guy. I mean, right? They got, um, oh God, this guy was really good. Got Bam. Yes. Yeah, does Bam, Bam and, and Davis. Whoo, okay. Yeah, man. He's I mean, like, can you, can you Bam, see why? He's like, can you Bam's see why I'm got, picking seven games? <laughs> and Bam's got offense. 
you know, he's got boards, he's got athleticism, and he's got strength, you know. And, and this is the one thing I've been saying about Anthony Davis in the very beginning is that um, they've been, like, they've been trying to get a four. You know, where's JaVale McGee? You know, they, they need a five to play near, like, in front of him. They need Dwight to play like a five and not like a, you know, a, you know somebody waiting to jump. You know, get off the floor and block some shots. You know, get off the floor, get some rebounds. You know, you got to have somebody that's in there that's willing to bang so that Anthony Davis can feel free to move around, get the ball, take some shots, as opposed to being back up against the basket. You know, it's just if you want to have a multifaceted player, you got to have a multifaceted system. That's just the way it rolls. And that's what, that, what I feel is very difficult is they're working with so many complex pieces. LeBron wants to be a Swiss Army knife, you know. Anthony Davis wants to be a Swiss Army knife. Neither of them, like both of them are so talented physically that they don't necessarily have to put it all in on defense, you know, and it shows. You know, Jimmy Butler is a guy who puts it all in on defense and then gets his buckets when he can. You know, all those other guys are trying to put up 30, 40 points a game, you know, trying to score two-thirds of their team's points. So it just – I think I, I'm I'm really – rooting for you know the teams like the the Miami Heat because I love to see you know a three guard system a spread out system if you're running small ball you know I, I hate the like the two stretch fours you know run two threes and and one four down low and just spread out all five guys like it's just the way to spread the floor is there's multiple ways and I love the way that Miami Heat do it. Yeah, they've been spreading the floor. I mean that's how that that's how they won the last two series, right? Bam yeah. Bam himself at thirty two points off of fourteen boards. Right. I mean Jimmy Butler twenty two points. Uh, Tyler Tyler Hero um nineteen points, right? Iguodala put up right. fifteen. So yeah, but yeah. nobody's uh, putting up forty. Don't you know, need that's to the that, biggest that's point. not the team that does that does exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. That's a team that beats, you know, the LA Lakers because the Lakers are still trying to find out who their third, you know, they think that Kuzma's like in the beginning of the season was uh, or the beginning Kuzma of the, was the bubble, they think Kuzma's the number three. Now it's KCP and then it was Rondo and this. They got no idea what they're doing, you know, in my yeah. eyes. Like they just have so many pieces and they have so many, you know, interchangeable uh, players that it's very hard to keep, you know, a systematic uh, offense in, in a sense where it's like they just basically have to run a, you know, uh, pick and roll, you know, one and two offense, or you know, yeah. they they it becomes very stagnant. I feel so that's why I'm saying like I, I do like Frank Vogel, but in my eyes, he's more of a defensive coach. He's not an offensive, offensively minded coach. And then you have that's Jason Kidd, great. who, you know, uh, he was a, a point guard, of course, but I didn't see that necessarily translate that well in in his coaching stances and his offense. You know, he was also a great defender. So for both of them to make those coaching decisions. I saw a lot of great defensive and rebounding in a sense changes, but not offensively, you know? And then when we talk about great coaching, I thought that the Denver's coach had fantastic coaching, you know, uh, that, that they were the, he was the best coach, you know, necessarily in the Western conference and that, you know, man. their talent level yeah. was ne not necessarily just up there. You know, they got freaking Jeremy Grant starting at their three. I mean, come on. That guy is like a role player at, at the very most. You know what I mean? Like they need premium talent at some of the more premium positions, but, you know, they got a great base. So I think that Eric Spolstra could totally outcoach uh, a Frank Vogel because Absolutely. his team that whole damn staff. 
Yeah. Right. Because his team offensively is built to play against a team like that, to run around them and play offense and to also, you know, get in their passing lanes and make them not get close to the basket. You know, I think it's a great matchup and I definitely think it goes a, a good distance, six or seven, which whichever way it goes. Could you imagine um, how much Spolstra would cement his legacy as a coach if he pulled Ooh. this one off? And beat it's three against one, really. I mean, Kid's a good, uh, you know, is a blue chip coach. Vogel's a blue chip coach, and LeBron's an on court coach. So it's mm-hmm. already he's already going in three against one. But the cool thing about this guy is there's something very Pat Riley about him that is very good at managing strong personalities. Right. Um, there's some people that, you know, there's some coaches and they're very rare that run their team with an iron hand. That's Popovich or whatever. And this and that. But then there's some coaches that kind of let you be yourself and still and still get the, the maximum, you know, production out of you. I think Phil Jackson yeah. was good. at that. Phil Jackson only asked for a little bit. You go to Shaq. Hey, Shaq, aren't you interested in yoga? You, what do you know about yoga? I mean, you know, that that'll be the only thing he does and let Shaq be himself. So, um, yeah, I can't wait. That's Wednesday night. I can't wait. Cool. Hey, let's move on to the UFC. Uh, big, big event. UFC, I believe, was 256. Um, Adesanya versus Costa. Both both teams, both player, um, excuse me, both fighters were undefeated and someone's O had to go. The 19-0, now 20-0, Israel Adesanya has defeated Paulo Costa, who at the time was 12-0, but ran roughshod over top, top competition in the middleweight division. So... The question is, Rob, was this good Adesanya or bad Costa? What do you think? Uh, yeah, I think it's a it's a healthy mix. You know, I I think Adesanya is just uh, compared to Costa on absolute different level. Uh, you know, totally different stratosphere than where he's at. Um, and when it comes to Costa, I just think he's never seen a fighter that's been able to not been taken down and be a better striker than him, you know, regardless of what his body posture uh, looks like. Cause to me, Paulo Costa is probably in the wrong division. You know, he looks like he could, he should be fighting two Oh five or something like that. You know, like the way he had to cut. Um, and yeah, he you, know, you can talk whatever you want. He looked good, but he didn't throw the punches. You know, he didn't throw the kips. He didn't do no takedowns. You know, even if you're trying to play the OL Romero game, you know, that was done by somebody who's in a top top flight athlete. So if that's the, the mode you're going in, you've got to do it better than him. And he didn't even throw punches. You know, Yoel Romero tagged, tagged Izzy a couple times, you know, got him in, uh, you know, vulnerable situations. Uh, Polo Costa, you know, didn't even, you know, wasn't even close to really affecting Izzy at all. I, I mean, I really would love to know how many times Izzy got hit or how many, t- how many punches Costa threw because – is he, uh, you know, is Adesanya did a great job of fainting him at distance, you know, and, and keeping him at bay, uh, and then eventually just ended up kicking his leg out to where minimized movement. And I mean, everything that Izzy did was spot on. You know, he, his technique was, you know, great. His positioning on his leg kicks were perfect. Uh, but on top of that, Costa really didn't move around much. You know, he stood in front of him, really. He tried to, as I said, I really think he tried to do the what Yoel, Yoel Romero did and thought he could do it better. So he was wrong. And uh, hopefully he builds his way back up to another title fight because I think uh, Adesanya will be there for a little bit. Um, but, yeah, some great fights coming. Yeah. I, let's see if I could take the time and, and 
push up this stat for you. There it is. Strikes landed. Blue is light blue is Costa. Dark blue is Israel Adesanya. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Twelve. Yeah. Twelve yeah. shots. Well, All out shots. of those fifty-five strikes, I will bet that twenty-three were leg kicks. I mean, he was just Dude, he was just chopping, okay? Uh, like you said, there, I thought there was a healthy mixture of both, but I thought this was more Adesanya. Adesanya, the last time he fought Yo Romero, he was hoping Romero would come forward a little bit, but it ended up being a counter-striker versus counter-striker thing. Not a, not a terribly exciting fight, but Israel's the champ, and to me, I don't put that on Israel as much as I put that on Romero if you want to be the champion. You got to beat the champion. You, you you can't be like, no, you hit me first. You know, there's no stalemates. and No one's going to win a title on a stalemate, and that's not what's going to happen. Acosta probably thought that he was going to walk him down, get him into a corner, and... And you know what I'm saying, bully him, little dirty boxing, and, and then just just bludgeon him to death with 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 that with that strong right hand. And the problem was every time he came in, he got two pieced. And but then when he wanted to get his shot, Israel Israel slipped in, out out of out of his left shoulder. Like a lot of a lot of fighters, even at this level, are making the mistake in moving to um, Costa's right shoulder. And when hap when that happens, is he just steps in with the opposite foot and hits him with like a cross. Or just you, you run into his right hand and Israel was like two-piece, leg kick, move to the left, move to his left. Two-piece, leg kick, move to the left. And, and eventually there was a head kick that, that I thought was the beginning of the end. And then hit him with a grazing, a grazing shot to the, um, to the temple, which sometimes shakes your equilibrium. And once you're down, you, and is, um, Israel's not going to give you that time to recover. And, that's, and that was the match. That was, that, that was the match right there. And Israel is... Hey, kudos to Anderson Silva. Said he wants to be. He doesn't want to be Anderson Silva. He wants to be him, but he said he salutes Anderson Silva's legacy and, out of respect for the sport, wants to have a legacy like his. And I really thought that was classy. All the rest of that, he wasn't trying to be classy. He he just got you know he gets hyped up from all the trash talk and this and that. And sometimes when you're like that after the match, people are like, oh, you're supposed to be a sportsman and this and that. No, and then sometimes being yourself is super necessary. If that's who he is, then I say be who you are. And then people decide for themselves if they like you or not. But don't try to be somebody else and then have people call you fake. Because now, you know, you sold your soul and people don't like you anyway. So he, the, his, the, his fans, he's got fans that are going to follow him no matter what. They're going to have fans that maybe not like his style, but at the same time, um, see, okay, that's who you are. If that's who you are, I respect that. That's cool. So that's how he wants to go out. Good champion, good win, undefeated Israel Adesanya. Let's bring our, our, a little bit of attention to the co-main event because this was for the vacant 205 pound. That's a light heavyweight championship that was vacated by John Jones. That was Jan Blak Blakovich versus oh my Dominic, God, Dominic Reyes. Reyes. A true one versus two. It was one versus three on the on the, the actual rankings, but in my mind, it was it was a, it was it was no, it was a one versus two. Jan Blakovich, man, just sunk him, just slapped him. Slept him and I think punched him awake on one of the shots and then the rest saw, saw enough. So <clears throat> my question to you is, what changed about Blahovich um, since his last loss? Like Blahovich, I'll put it this way. I mean, I'm going to put it uh, put up the stat for you in a minute. But Blahovich's last loss, and I'm scrolling, was Tiago Santos. He lost by TKO. Before that was a while ago, 
that was 2017, and that was Patrick Cummins, which, like this Blahovich would never lose to. This version of Blahovich would never lose to. Um, Alexander Gustafson, unanimous decision. Okay, fine. So pretty much from 2019, he's won four in a row, and Luke Rockhold, whatever, had it coming, right? <laughs> Jacare walks around 220 anyway, fine. Corey Anderson, KO, KO. So maybe the level of competition wasn't as high as Gustafson or whatever. But my question to you is, what's changed about this guy's style that, that's made him championship material? Um, <clears throat> I think he's, uh, you know, I, I believe he's more of a, you know, defensive first fighter, you know, can't take him down. Uh, you know, he's gonna, he's got a tough right hand. Um, he's got a tough jaw, you know, hard to stop. So I think he's just, um, <clears throat> kind of understanding his strengths, you know, slowly. Um, I, I like Jan Blahovic. I really loved what he was doing with his leg kicks. I really loved his combinations, uh, the other night. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was surprised that, uh, that you know, Dominic Reyes put himself in those situations. Uh, he didn't look at all like the fighter that uh, he, that he was against John Jones. Um, he didn't use many many kicks at all. It was more. It was a lot of reactionary. Once you know, Blahovich hit him with a, a leg kick. He tried to kick him back, and you know, <clears throat> really didn't work around his jab very much. Uh, he started moving around the second round, but I, you know, so <clears throat> Dominic Reyes, I think, was a pretty poor showing and. Uh, but it looked great on you know, Jan Blachowicz, I think is just so consistent. And I think that's something that you don't really see in this game because everybody tries to be the very best. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's great, but you need to maintain a high level. You know, that's why you see a lot of these play like Conor McGregor had probably one of the biggest flare outs you'll ever see in, in mm -hmm. UFC history. You know, he's one of the greatest fighters of all time in one period. And then he's now, you know, apps, you know, really can't get a fight you know talking about fighting diago santo you know with sanchez okay. so yeah uh, right diego sanchez really <laughs> you know that's crazy that made you shake your head. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome so yeah i think uh jan Belov is just putting his offense together a little more uh <clears throat> on top of being a counter puncher and that's just what i was going to say about izzy as well as they do a good job of being aggressive defensively you know, instead of being an offensive fighter, they, you know, create the right distance for their defense. So as soon as you move, they can flinch because they could hit you, you know. Uh, so they do a great job with distance and they do a great job with, uh, you know, keeping to the strengths. No, no doubt. Cool, man. Um, all right. So that concludes um, the UFC and mixed martial arts. And now we move on to our next section called shame or no shame. 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 <laughs> I love this. Dude, I love this. <laughs> Let's pause this if I can. All right. Let's pause that. And we go to... Sorry. Sorry, Robbie. All right, Robbie. Shame or no shame? We have the Chargers hook and ladder play at the end of the game from Keenan Allen to Austin Eckler that fell short against the, the Carolina Panthers. 
Shame or no shame? Uh, no shame. Uh, <clears throat> I was surprised that, you know, they were in distance, you know, with a rookie quarterback to actually even be able to win the game. So at that point, you, you know, end of the game, you got to do absolutely anything to try to score those points. And, and to be honest, they, if they didn't, you know, mess up the handoff, I think it would have been a really tight play at the goal line. And, you know, who would, who knows what would have happened. So, um, uh, absolutely no shame. I say shame. It's no shame in running the play, but I say shame because if it's a play you practice, you got to catch that ball. I mean, and and we're talking Eckler, who's a who's a pretty reliable tight end. Okay, um, not the best dish in the world by Keenan Allen, but but you got to catch that ball. And, and we've seen it run in college with Boise State. And as a bonus, maybe I'll show you guys at the end of this. But um, you know, not too much of a, not too much of a finger wagging on my part. But I, yeah, I got to go with shame. You gotta, you gotta, no shame in running the play. Shame, shame, got to catch that ball. Shame or no shame, <laughs> are you ready? Seattle's DK Metcalf fumbles at the one-yard line showboating and gets the ball poked for a touchback. Rob, I'm going to go first on this. Shame, 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 shame of who you not only gave up the ball for an obvious score. Like, I mean, you not only lost um the touchdown you not only created a touchback that gave the team the other ball but you gave the other team momentum to come back and in fact coincidentally that was all the momentum the Dallas Cows- Cowboys needed to come back and 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 take the lead and almost win that game so subsequently some games are decided in the end but this one could have been decided in the middle shame Oops. um i mean it, it, it's definitely shame but i say no shame because at the end of the game he made it up you know, made up for it and everybody makes their mistakes and um, it really matters about what you do after that mistake. So I think that he, you know, as a young player, he'll learn from it, but uh, man, he actually burnt the guy and um, this the NFL, the best players in the league, they're never going to give up. So uh, he, he made it up at the end of the end of the game with the game when he touched down. And so I think the uh, <laughs> Seattle Seahawks will take it. Yeah, they will. And he ain't never going to do no nonsense like that again. I'll tell you that. That's one of those things you remember. (laughs) You know, remember Deshaun Jackson, actually, he actually threw the Mm -hmm. ball away before he crossed the the line. (laughs) He, like, threw it into the whatever. And he's celebrating everybody else. The other other team's behind him, patting him on the the backside. Good job, bro. Um, All right, so here we go. We're on our our next section. That, That was shame or no shame. This is called quick question, Rob. Rob, quick question. Is Trubisky finished in Chicago? Yes, Nick Foles, enter. Enter Nick Foles, exit Trubisky, I say yes. Quick question, does John Jones fight this year? Uh, I'm going to go with yes, because there's a lot of holidays left still. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm going to have to go with yes. I go no. Too many holidays and cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Quick question, do the Yankees get past first round? I'll answer this first, I say yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Quick question. Who will win a game first, the Atlanta Falcons or the New York Jets? I mean, the Falcons looked good last week, so I'm you laughing the Falcons, at? man. <laughs> you laugh because you know the answer, man. The Falcons yeah. should have won the last three games. They're not, they're, they'll win before the Jets. I, yeah. I give it the Falcons. Um, all right, so here we go. So let's do a little baseball quick pick segment. I'm going to give you the brackets, and we're going to pick, pick our team. Just go down the line. All right? Let's do this. All right, first one, Dodgers, Brewers. Um, I'll go with Dodgers. Me too, Dodgers. Braves, Reds? Um, 
go, uh, yeah, probably Braves. They look good, man. I go Braves. Really Cubs, Marlins. This is my upset. I go Marlins. I, I pick the fish. Yeah, I mean, that's tough. But I probably I'll probably go with the Cubs still on this one. Padres Cardinals. Cardinals are a different playoff team. I go cards. I yeah. Uh, mm. Yeah, I'll go I yeah, I'll go Cardinals on this one probably. Yeah. Rays, Blue Jays. Uh Rays. They look I, real good this year. Yeah, man. Rays. Athletics, White Sox. Uh man, am I gonna go? Damn. Uh I, I, athletics. <laughs> <laughs> I go athletics. Twins, Astros. Ain't nobody's picking the Astros. I am, so unfortunately. I am. I don't want to pick them, but I'm, I mean, got to be, nah, you know, we got a job to do here. Uh, Yankees and Cleveland. We already we already talked about this. Yanks, yeah. Yeah, Yankees. <laughs> I think Yankees, but the winner of that has to face the, the likely number one seed, and that's the Rays, man. And I really hate that matchup because we're not – the Yankees, are. they don't perform goodly against the Rays when the Rays suck. <laughs> and the Rays are good this year, so that's going to be problematic. Yeah, Rob, I do are. not have a sports movie of the week. Um, but Same, same. Yeah, okay, all right, good. We'll just skip that. Um, uh, we'll do a nice quick RIP, Larry Wilson. Um. Hall of Famer and Gail Sayers, Hall of Fame running back mm-hmm. in the NFL. I don't oh, yeah. have don't have the ages, but I'll leave it up to you guys, and I'll definitely post it for any for the people watching the video version of this. All right. Um, uh, shout out. I don't have any shout out this week, and I think I'm probably going to beat Rob to the punch. Where I say, everybody, be be safe. God bless you all. Absolutely. You feel, and Rob says, <laughs> I repeat that sentiment. <laughs> All right, Rob. I guess that's it, man. Hey, listen, you guys might love Rob and Rob might love you, but I had enough of you. In fact, I can't stand you. I am out of here. For all of you at home, for all of you on your iPad at Starbucks, for all of you on your iPhone on the lunch line, for all of you on the desktop who runs the world, old school, old school for Rob. Keep it McLean, McLean. This is episode 36 of Sports Debate Tuesday. I am Jason DeBiss and we say we're out. Come check out the Option Podcast on OptionDB.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.